the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Wine to Wine Business Forum is a training and networking event for anyone involved in the wine business. Held in Verona on November 13th and 14th, this year, the forum will involve over 90 international speakers and over 50 sessions on topics ranging from marketing and communication, sustainability, strategy, new market trends, and market focus. In collaboration with the Italian Trade Agency, a number of market-focused sessions will be broadcast in a podcast series on the Italian Wine Podcast, a media partner of the Wine to Wine Business Forum. Hello, my name is Stevie Kim, and welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This is actually a special series. It's part of a special series from the Wine to Wine Business Forum, which actually took place already on the 13th and 14th of November, just a few weeks ago. I don't know when this episode will be airing. And the purpose is to focus on key international markets for Italian wine. Today, the focus is on Canada and our special guests. We have two special guests, two interviewees, Mr. Marco Saladini. He's the Italian Trade Agency Commissioner for Canada, which I believe includes Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. And then with him, we have also Craig de Blois. How do you pronounce that name, your last name? Yeah, that's pretty good. De Blois. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to butcher your name straight away. And Craig is a wine importer and president of Noble Estates Wine and Spirits. And we'll find out what that is all about. So I'm just going to go straight in to the talk today. Marco, ciao, Marco. Buongiorno. Ciao, Stevie. How are you? Hi, Marco. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Just a brief overview. Where have you been? I know you've been a devotee of Italian Trade Agency. Yes. Well, I started with the agency in 1992. I was posted in Rome for the longest time at the Economics Studies Office. And then I managed to finally go overseas and served at the World Bank and then in Vietnam. And then I returned to Rome and again out to Chicago and finally Toronto. So that's in short my career. I have a wife and two wonderful children and we go around the world. Okay, stop. <laughs> I don't want to have in more information. <laughs> okay. All right, Marco. So you are very, very much the man we were looking for today. And of course, Craig de Blois, wine importer. Craig, tell us a little bit about yourself. My background, I played professional ice hockey, spent eight years in international banking before finding my passion and love for wine. And I've been in the wine industry now for 20 years and uh, have owned a great agency called Noble Estates for the last 10 years. What we're going to do is run this session like as if it were wine to wine. Have you ever been, Craig? I have not. I travel to Italy every year. Yeah, so I hope to get you sometime in the future, foreseeable future. And what we do is we lay out before we start the session, the learning objectives of the session. They usually last around half an hour. 
And our learning objectives today is, of course, the introduction to the local wine industry in Canada. It is, of course, with monopolies, importers, and distribution channels. So we want to understand the each role of these important players. The marketing strategies for Italian producers, if we can, of course, we don't have enough time to do a deep dive, but just kind of the overview and what the future trends are. That is kind of the layout today, because Canada, of course, is it is complicated in terms of alcohol distribution import system, because everyone just think, yes, Canada equals monopoly, but it's not as easy and simplistic as that. I suppose. So let's dive right into it. Marco, why don't we start with you first? Would you like to give us a skinny overview of the wine market? Perhaps, you know, give us a little bit about the demographics and what your perspective is in terms of consumer preferences. Sure. Well, let's start saying that the alcoholic beverages market in Canada is changing. And the change is driven by evolving consumer preferences that are steering away from beer in favor of other options, such as spirits and ready-to-drink or RTD beverages. And in addition to this, to shifting preferences, there is an overall decrease in alcohol consumption, a trend that is particularly prominent among uh, younger consumers and mirrors similar patterns seen globally. Now, consumers' behavior. Beer is the beverage choice for most Canadians, accounting for a 35% share of the total alcoholic beverages market. But like in other markets, its importance is diminishing. Its share of the market has slipped 10% since 2010, so 10 percentage points. Sales volume of beer... That's beer. Yeah, that's beer. And uh, it declined since 2016, also in sales volume. Now, the wine market, uh, whose share of the alcoholic beverages market remained largely unchanged in this period, is dominated by red wine. And sales there are 4.3 billion Canadian dollars, or CAD. When you hear me say CAD, that means Canadian dollars, which is about 1.5 CAD to 1 euro. So that was 2022. While white wine raked 2.7 billion CAD, and spirits and RTD alcoholic beverages filled the void left by beer, and uh, now they account 26 and 8% of the market, respectively, with RTDs experiencing very particularly very fast increase. On the demand side, the Canadians decreased overall consumption of alcoholic beverages again in 2022, and consumption stood at 97.5 liters per capita, which is not small, I'd say. And this represents a reduction of 9%, though, since 2008. And Generation Z Canadians were the most likely to say that they were reducing their alcohol consumption in 2023. Beer, in particular, drastically de decreased. Now, a last trend is non-alcoholic wines that continue to show strong performance in 2023 as health consciousness rises among consumers nationwide. And producers also recognize this as a new opportunity and have intensified their efforts particularly in the launch of new and innovative products. So when you say no alcohol, is that uh, does that include low alcohol? Uh, no, this is just non-alcoholic wines. Okay. Oh, boy. I don't know if I should be happy or depressed. 
<laughs> so why don't you give us an overview? Of course, the different markets in terms of the system, the infrastructure system of importation um, regarding the regulations, the different rules to the different regions. Which is the most important? Which is the most significant region? Ontario. Ontario. Okay, let's start that. The marketing of wines and alcoholic beverages in Canada is in the hands of uh, liquor control boards, as we all know. And they hold the monopoly on importation and distribution in every province except Alberta. They are entirely independent, which is why the procedures and measures they adopt vary from province to province. How many provinces, just to put everybody on the same page? I reckon that there are 10 provinces in Canada and 11 territories, if I'm not wrong. Craig, can you jump in? <laughs> I haven't taken high school geography for a long time, but that sounds about right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I mean, in Alberta, that was the only province where trade and distribution were liberalized since 1993, but importation is still controlled. And so what happens is the monopolies purchase wines and spirits, including in their sales repertoire, which is also called listing, and take care of storage and physical distribution of products. Now, the only exception to that is British Columbia, where the monopolistic entity requires that importation and storage be carried out by the agent, who also bears the burden of warehouse expenses. So you can see that there are several differences, and one should be aware of those. So what would be, Marco, the challenges and opportunities with these kind of arduous importation, liquor board rules, as if you will, especially for the Italian wine producers into Canada? There are many, but I would like to focus on uh, one crucial factor, which is choosing the right sales agent. And uh, Craig then might confirm or not my considerations. In Canada, the agent represents and promotes a brand towards provincial monopolies, handling sales channels and executing marketing strategies. So Sales agents with their expertise and established relationships can open doors, navigating different channels. To choose the right agency, uh, the producer, the Italian producer, should set distribution and sales goals first and then try to match them with agencies that align. And there are also other factors like uh, agency size, ethics, a plan to represent one's brand by the agent, geography, portfolio of the agent. And of course, larger agencies may be suitable for established wineries, while smaller ones might want to bet or focus on growing brands. Collaboration between winery and agent so is vital, especially for new entrants. And the winery should provide comprehensive information about vineyards and uh, winemaking process, because stories need to be told and products need to be characterized and, and contextualized. Agencies on their side that seek partners who collaborate on three main grounds, sales team education, as, as we just mentioned, customer interaction, and marketing support or funds for, for promotion. So here we come. The cost of doing business with an agent is, of course, a deciding factor. And the winery will have to design a budget covering distribution, sales commission, marketing, and advertising expenses based on their desired volume. So warehouse fees, shipping, fuel surcharge, in-store programs are other elements to be taken into account when budgeting for this. So the combination of all these factors leads a winery towards a specific agent that will possibly fill their 
orders <laughs> sooner rather than later. Yeah. What are the future trends in your opinion, Marco? Well, we can see that the number of people that are purchasing organic or natural wines is growing rapidly. And indeed, twice as many people uh, bought organic wine in 2021 as compared to 2019. So that's a big growth. Now, Generation Z uh, is also at the forefront of this trend uh, because almost one in four of this age group uh, purchased organic or natural wine in the last 12 months. Some other things about younger consumer. One is that they're open to alternative formats, especially cans and single serving bottles, which are both suitable for their lifestyle. And the fact that 12% of them also purchased non-alcoholic wine in the same period, so last 12 months, suggests that these areas, although niche, represent an opportunity. RTD, again, make for a particular threat to wine in the future, given that the high preference uh, um, attributed to those by, by Generation Z. And finally, even though wine prices are rising, consumers seem to remain loyal. So premium segments above 14 CAD represent a quarter of all sales and the constant shift towards higher price points, which happened in the past, is expected to continue, uh, even though Canadians now admit to buying slightly less often and seeking deals when they can. Online retail is another point I want to touch upon. Um, this is more vibrant than in the past and is coupled with a willingness to innovate and promote different formats and styles. And it could contribute to achieving uh, what seems to be one of the key goals of the Canadian wine world, attracting and retaining young people. So millennial Generation Z consumers and for Italians, investing on the digital sales channels could be a good idea. Are you enjoying this podcast? There's so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and Other Stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. So, Marco... What are the main commercial distribution channels in Canada? How can you sum that up? Let's say that uh, alcoholic beverages reach uh, the Canadian consumer uh, through retail outlets, mostly managed or authorized by the monopolies. Then restaurants in Quebec and Ontario only, just, I mean, for taking them away, or personal importation. And wine clubs and restaurants uh, purchase alcoholic beverages, uh, both at retail outlets and directly from the producer through the so-called private importation. In this case, with limits on quantities, but without restrictions on the choice of product. So they don't have to go by the listing of the monopolies. They can import whatever they want. The monopolies buy directly from the producer even though the agent is the preferred intermediary for the monopoly in dealing with the producer. So they all, not always, mostly deal with producers through agents. And the federal law indeed grants the exclusive right to import alcoholic beverages into Canada to the monopoly. So no one else can introduce large quantities of alcoholic beverages except them. 
This explains why the figure of the monopoly in the distribution chain is a central one in all provinces and even those where the marketing has been privatized. Now, in terms of uh, who sells, I mean, retail dominates the beverage landscape since almost 90% of all sales are in store with uh, state stores as the most used channel. And there are signs, though, of a still emerging online industry, seeing how 18% of regular wine drinkers have purchased wine online in the last six months, with a 4% increase from the previous year. Now, we could take a look at the main provincial monopolies, seeing how much they sell and, uh, you know, what's their positioning in the, in the landscape. Like, uh, for instance, uh, LCBO, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, with a population of 15.4 million, reported a 2022 revenue of 73.0 billion CAD, an increase of 2.2% from the previous year. And the wine actually declined 3.8% in sales, but stayed the second largest category with 22.1% of sales and 1.6 billion CAD of sales. Vintages, though, which are premium wines, they grew in sales by 8.2% and so rose to 10.1% of uh, LCBO, the monopoly annual sales. The Monopoly has 677 branches, stores, an e-commerce platform, and offers 15,700 products from 82 countries. One thing that is that's funny to know is that uh, they want to limit the weight of bottles, class wine bottles, that are sold for 15 a CAD or, or lower. They should be light just for environmental reasons. So we move to SAC, the Société des Alcools du Québec, uh, is the monopoly in the French-speaking province of Quebec, which has 8.8 million inhabitants. They reported a 5% increase in revenue in 2022, and they sold 4 billion CAD worth of alcoholics, uh, alcoholic beverages in 2022. And wine sales were standing at 68% of total sales, so quite a large proportion, reaching 2.7 billion CAD with a 3.3% increase in value and a slight decrease in, uh, in volume. The SAC has 837 outlets and a very diversified product range and services they deliver throughout Quebec um, with orders uh, placed online. And they offer 15,900 products from 76 countries. A curiosity there is that uh, in line with the habit, which is uh, popular in the French-speaking province, of having a glass of wine with meals at one's home, Quebec allows the sale of non-premium wine, so lower quality wines, I mean, in grocery stores. You can get your groceries and wine when you go to the supermarket. Then we move to Alberta. The AGLC controls alcoholic beverages uh, in that province, which is home to 4.5 million people, and they manage licenses and uh, revenue collection, while, as we said, private enterprises handle all the other aspects of alcohol marketing. So the government markup is based on alcohol content, and the private liquor stores are the only urban alcohol retailers. There were 2,400 private alcohol specialized stores in Alberta in 2022, and they sold 2.7 billion CAD, with the wine contributing approximately by the tune of 0.6 billion, which is smaller proportion than in other provinces. 
On the other hand, Alberta had 30,000 different alcoholic products in 2022, which included 14,700 wines. And last but not least, British Columbia, which uh, has its BCLDB liquor distribution branch, which is responsible for alcoholic beverage distribution, importation, and marketing in a province populated by 5.32 million inhabitants. They hit a revenue in 2022 of 3.9 billion CAD, including a 33% share from wines between Alberta and the eastern provinces, which uh, although decreased in quantity by 3% as compared to 21. And they have 198 uh, stores, two distribution centers, and also in the, in the province, there are 770 private stores, so not run by the monopoly, 221 rural agencies, 270 privately owned wineries that sell on-site, so it's, it's wine growing and winemaking is big in the British Columbia, and 12 independent wine stores. Curiosity is that uh, since 2015, the local wine sales at supermarkets were authorized, and previously there had been also a store-within-store model for imported wines. So that completes my tour of Canada. Marco, is there a kind of a document or something that we can share with our audience, like an overview? The companies can write to us and we will provide it to them, yes. Definitely. Okay. All right. So they can write to you. Let me bring on Craig, Mr. Craig de Blois, if he's still awake. I'm here. Ready to go. <laughs> All right. Craig, listen. So, how long have you been a wine importer? I've been uh, 20 years now. This is actually just past my 20th anniversary. And where are you based? So, I'm based in Toronto. I own an agency in Ontario called Noble Estates. And I also own an agency in Quebec called Noble Selections. So uh, as Marco alluded to, the two greatest provinces for wine in Canada, at the risk of angering my friends in, in Western Canada and the Maritime. Yes, yeah, so you have two different agencies servicing two different provinces. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. And can you kind of contextualize your wine importing business? First of all, how many importers are there, or give or take? Uh, many, many importers. I think in Ontario, there are over 400 registered importers. You kind of alluded to it earlier. There are many different types of importers. We have big national agencies, and then we have provincial agencies. So each market, each province is so different, the rules and regulations that, you know, we obviously, uh, support and encourage the provincial model. I think, you know, with the big national agencies, you can get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Because it's so difficult to navigate, right, in a way. It seems simple, monopoly, but in a way, it is quite difficult and complicated. It is, and that's our job. Right. You know, the, the agent is here to guide you through the rules and regulations of the LCBO, the SAQ, whether it's labeling or, or just, you know, sales strategy. What does your portfolio look like in terms of your supplier base? So half of, of our business is Italian. Uh, if you think about it, Italy mm -hmm. is number two in Ontario behind California in terms of imported wines. It's also number two in Quebec, a very close second to uh, French wines imported into Quebec. Yeah, I mean, our portfolio, we cover, we cover Italy. We have number one Prosecco with Bottega, 
number one Amarone with Tedeschi. Wine of the year for Wine Spectator from Argiano. So are you distributing also the Maze Row wines, the Gallo brands distribution? They're distributed by Gallo, I believe, right? Not in Canada. Aha, okay. Certainly most Italians like to carve off Italy and really don't group it as North America. I mean, yeah, Canada is a very different market from the U.S. I see. I suppose you can give us kind of the nuts and bolts of some operational useful tips into entering the market if you are an Italian wine producer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point you're quite late entering the market. I mean, it's Italy has been a huge category in Canada for many years, and most agents, I would say, have have a, a pretty strong portfolio of Italian wines because it is such an important category. And the great thing about Italian wine producers is they travel. We see more Italians in Canada than any other wine producing nation, which really I think is a huge advantage. And, you know, the Italians know the Canadian market. If you're looking to enter the market, I mean, there's still some great agents that are just starting or kind of up and coming agents. And those are, I mean, that's something that uh, Marco and his team can help find those hidden gems, but it's hugely important to find a great agent because, uh, you know, there, there are all types working here. I suppose, you know, as an Italian wine producer, you said it's too late to enter Canadian market in a way because everyone has a solid portfolio, right? But are most then wine importers, are they are they pruning their portfolio or are they still looking for uh, new Italian wine producers? It depends on the agent. I mean, for us, you know, we have a, a really solid portfolio. I mean, if there's something interesting and really sexy that comes along, then, then we're always open to the conversation. But I would say we're not really out actively looking to grow our portfolio. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of uh, a lot of agents here. It's very similar to the U.S., I suppose. Well, yeah, and we are seeing a bit of consolidation, and it does make it harder to find a portfolio. You know, our strategy really is to find the best from each region. There are regions like Barolo and Brunello and Amarone where we can have more than one producer from those areas, but generally we try to keep it tight and focused and have one champion. So I suppose you're very close to the market. So what are your latest perceptions with regards to Canadian consumer preferences with regards to Italian wine specifically? Marco mentioned the interest, global interest really in ready to drink and white claw. And that doesn't worry me so much. It That saddens me to no one, I have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Well, it tastes like cardboard. And I think people are just looking for a cheap buzz with low calories. But but I, I am confident that it's a stepping stone. And the hope is that these consumers will graduate to Italian wine, you know, something with, with a story, with quality, with, you know, a family behind it. We are a little concerned about the reduction in consumption, but that comes and goes. Look, Italy and Canada, you know, we have a huge expat community of Italians that have immigrated here over the last 70 years, and they love Italian wines. We also have some of the greatest Italian restaurants in the world are passionately great ambassadors for Italian wines. So, and many Canadians travel to Italy. There's an aspirational quality to Italy and the rich history and culture is something that... And the Dolce Vita, right? I mean, everybody 
Exactly. So I think Canadians, you know, we're a cool climate here. Marco mentioned that red wine is dominant. We're seeing a shift away from that. It's freezing here in Toronto today. And, you know, I probably will have a nice bottle of Barolo tonight, but we're seeing a lot of interest in Italian whites and Pecorino, Grillo, Verdicchio, Vermentino. I mean, these wines are becoming a little more mainstream where historically it was kind of the real experts that understood the quality and, and uh, great wines that were coming. So I think, you know, we're seeing white. Prosecco has been so dominant here in Canada and continues to do well. Yeah, it's nice to see Italian wine lovers being more open to experimenting with maybe wines that aren't necessarily Chianti or, or, or Tuscan and looking at other regions like maybe Calabria or Sicily. I mean, Sicily is, is really booming here, like in many markets. But is Piemonte still kind of the sexiest drive or rather Piemonte, Etna of the situation? Is, is that still the case? Because a few years ago, that seemed like everybody's go-to sexy Italian wine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look, there is, as Barolo prices are increasing, it's nice to see that great Nebbiolos are being purchased and, and there is a customer shift, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, it was hard to sell, you know, a nice Longa Nebbiolo. But, you know, Italy produces amazing wine at every price point and offers great quality at every price point. And that that's, you know, I think a big part of Italy's success as I said, you know, the Italians come to Toronto, they come to Montreal. And just one like, you know, question, because, you know, I work with Wine Spectator and Argiano, you really got lucky, dude, right? So you got number one wine. And what happens to a brand like that? Well, they're, they're great ambassadors and they engage with the LCBO buyers. They engage with the LCBO product consultants who are, are the frontline experts of the LCBO and they engage with our team. And I think, you know, engagement is a huge reason for Italy's success and they do it better than any other country. Just as an example, I was in, in Bordeaux in September with two of Canada's best wine writers and neither of them had been there in 20 years. And it just shows how, I mean, we need a little more from Bordeaux, but Italy, you know, they're coming here every year and and they're bringing our top sommeliers and wine media to Italy every year to engage. I think Italy is really the benchmark, I think, for me in terms of managing a country's wine industry. Okay. I suppose that dovetails right nicely into my last question, also because Elena booked me another call at 4 p.m., which is in about 12 minutes. So back to Marco. I know we, you spoke a little bit about some of the advices you have with regards to, you know, focusing on the education side. But what are the other marketing strategies for Italian producers to create greater awareness of Italian wine, in your opinion? Craig just mentioned one, which is participating with us to our annual wine trading tasting across Canada. With us. When does that happen? What are the dates? It happens in uh, late October, early November. And there is uh, a big, uh, let's say, uh, attention by the producers to when the opportunity to sign up comes. So don't miss that uh, on our website. But of course, also try to participate in the yearly promotions uh, with the provincial monopolies. Organize quarterly tasting via your agent uh, with the on-premise outlets like restaurants, bars, hotels. Work online to promote e-commerce sales or, in general, awareness of your uh, product. And try to educate the consumer 
and the professionals working with the Canadian sommeliers that are reputable and have a following. Now, the good news is that uh, the ITA, the Italian trade agency, which I manage, can help Italian producers and other relevant stakeholders with all of these marketing strategies at low or no cost. So just contact our fantastic wine team, uh, which spans all across Canada, writing to Toronto at ICE.it. Yeah, I think that was a good plug there, Marco, especially the bit about low to no cost. <laughs> Do you like that? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think that's good. Good stuff, Marco. Sure. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up now. Um, but Craig, where can people find you? How do they get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out to you? Yeah, well, we're uh, Noble Estates, uh, Craig D at noblestates.com, and always happy to uh, answer questions and speak with our friends in Italy. Are you doing any social media? in conjunction also with your suppliers? We're quite aggressive with our social media. I think it's really important to be a full service agency. So that's, we have a team selling to the LCBO stores. We have a team that sells to restaurants through the LCBO's consignment program. And then we also engage quite aggressively with wine media, SOMS, and promote through social media and events. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us today on Italian Wine Podcast. That was Marco Saladini, Italian Trade Commissioner for Canada, and of course, Craig de Blois, the wine importer in two provinces. Thanks again for joining us and hope to catch you on the rebound on our next episode. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, Stevie. Take care. Thank you. for joining us on another installment of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Join her again next week for more interesting content in the Italian wine scene. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. You can also check out our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, to watch these interviews and the footage captured of each location. Chin chin!